You love Letron.com. Are you looking for the perfect holiday gift? How about a Letron.com Supporters Club membership? Go to shop.letron.com, link in the show notes, and you can give a membership for 25% off. Your favorite running friend will get a free t-shirt, Supporters Club podcast, savings on running shoes. They can save 20% in full price shoes, all the Let's Run content, private forum, less ads. It's the perfect gift for any runner. Or give it to yourself. Shop.let'srun.com. Link in the show notes. The new year's almost here, and I know you're going to kick off the new year with a new pair of shoes. But what shoes are you going to wear? That's why you got to go to the betterrunningshoes.com website today. Betterrunningshoes.com. We have the best shoe reviews in the land. And we've got new partners in there. So you can find a great price on your favorite shoe. Running Warehouse, Hollowbird, Zappos, Brooks, Nike, many more. Check it out today. And I hate to admit it, but over the next few days, many of you are going to be spending time with family you don't really love that much. Well, you love them, but they're kind of annoying. So you're going to sneak upstairs, get on your computer. And given what I just learned that 30% of all internet traffic is on, you're not going to want your mother-in-law to see what your site you're surfing. You need a VPN. Use the VPN we use at Let'sRun.com. Let'sRun.com slash VPN. Let'sRun.com slash VPN. Bro, are you telling me 30% of all internet traffic is European track meets where there's no US broadcaster? Is that really that shameful to be watching? Premier League highlights on YouTube, John, I think is what he's talking about. All right, we're going to kick off this week's edition of the Let's Run.com Track Talk podcast with some great news. World Indoors is in Scotland this year, and Scottish star Laura Muir will be there. There is some bad news. 2022 1500-meter world champ Jake Whiteman, who's also Scottish, won't be there. And we're not sure if Josh Kerr will be there. Might he duck Jakob Ingebrigtsen just like he did in the Diamond League final? Speaking of Kerr, he's in... We know he's at least in pretty good shape as he ran a 61-51 half marathon over the weekend, <laughs> downhill. American Katie Izzo may pick up the 10,000-meter standard variety of the World XC rankings. Some bad news that Nick Willis's sub-four-mile streak will come to an end at the end of the year. And Let'sRun.com has done what World Athletics would not do. We have named our Athletes of the Year. Congratulations to Faith Kip Yegon and Kelvin Kipton. 2023 Let's Run.com Athletes of the Year. This is Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson. Joined as always by my genetic equal, but master brother Weldon. But we may kick him off the show today. He's had a lot of audio problems. Pre-show, as well as a staff writer, Jonathan Gold. We'd love to hear from you. 844-LET'S-RUN, 844-538-7786. Now, Robert, when you initially recorded the intro to this show, it was a little different. You referred to yourself as former distance coach at Cornell. You mentioned Weldon was a former Marine Corps marathon champion. I never really say those things. I always just say my bosses, co-founders of Let'sRun.com, but I'm wondering if if I've aired in the past. Would you prefer me to introduce you as zero-time Heps cross-country champion coach robert johnson and 
107th place World Half Marathon Championship finisher, Weldon Johnson, or eight-time Hepps track champion distance coach, Robert Johnson, two-time U.S. fourth placer, 10,000 meters athlete, Weldon Johnson, or somewhere in the middle. I, I don't know what I should be doing. I don't think the intramural mile championship that I won at Princeton really impresses people. How about amazing dad, amazing lover, amazing husband? I mean, wait, my wife might call in a correction on those. Which one of those is she going to correct, Robert? You're limiting it to just one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the SAT, A, B, or C, or all of the above. I love you, honey. Robert, one thing you didn't note in your intro, though, was there are a lot of races this week. It's a bit of a dead period on the running calendar, but we do have the Premier League match of the week, nay, the season, Thursday, Brighton against Crystal Palace. I think Weldon and most Crystal Palace fans probably view this as their Super Bowl because they're not going to get relegated. They're not going to qualify for Europe. Beating Brighton... Probably as big as it comes for them this season, unless they make some sort of cup run. Is this an accurate summation, Weldon? Are you taking off all day Thursday to prepare for the biggest game of the season? Parts of it are accurate, John. Very excited. But still worried about relegation, John. People don't want to hear us talk about soccer. Well, Robert, though, had a question for us because he was like, wait a minute, this is a middle-of-December match. The season doesn't end until May. How can we possibly be so excited for it? Are you confused on this point, Robert? Because in track and field, we don't usually yeah, I, get so excited for things months out from the end of a season. Well, I, I hate soccer talk, but it, it does lead into what I want to know. It's like we can't get the stars to go to care about world indoors or world cross country, but for some reason you guys care about some meaningless soccer match? Like, it, I, I know they don't have a playoffs in soccer, so maybe we should just cancel the Olympics. I'm frustrated and cancel world championships, and then people will care about regular season track. That's kind of a joke, but I don't know. All these people skipping out has just put me over the edge. I have Robert, we've had some trials and tribulations trying to get this show recorded, and then some news about athletes who may or may not be running world indoors. I can tell Robert's like set to blow a gasket. He needs to have the Rojo rant music on speed dial but it is kind of interesting you look at the premier league it's one of the most successful financially successful leagues on earth there is no playoffs so robert's saying every game is meaningless it's like no actually every game is very meaningful because the regular season is the only thing that matters it's the opposite of track and field in many ways now i know soccer has like the champions league as well which is a bit different they have cups but in track and field Basically, the regular season, we kind of have one with the Diamond League, but it doesn't really matter that much. Athletes will skip out on it. The only thing that matters, especially in the Olympic year, is not is the Olympic Games. And it is that way because of the way the sport is structured, because of the incentives placed upon athletes by their sponsors and by the shoe companies. And we'll get to it in a few minutes with some athletes who may not be running World Cross or World Indoors next year. And it just makes me think, like, do we even bother scheduling events like that in an Olympic year when every athlete is basically going to sell out to make sure they're peaked 
for the Olympic Games, anything where even, there's even a hint that they might get injured or things might throw off their preparation a little, those meets could be jettisoned at any second. Like, do we just say, hey, World Indoors, World Cross, these are good ideas for other years, but not the Olympics, or at least not the Olympics until we collectively decide, okay, the Olympics doesn't have to be the be-all, absolute be-all and end-all. It's an interesting thought. I'd like to speak to someone at World Athletics, by the way. John did speak to Sebco yesterday because th- they've moved. So World Indoors has always been on an even year, which obviously matches every two years, and it matches up with the Olympic years. But World Cross used to be in the odd years, and now they're moving that to the even year. So everything's going to be in the even year. So every f- four years we'll have a World Indoors, World Cross. Like, it, to me, you should have World Cross or World Indoors on different years because some of the same people could do both of those. So I don't get that. There must be some reason in their head, though, why they're putting it all in the Olympic year, which make, it d- does make less sense to me. But well, what, well, Sepco did explain, Robert, that World Cross, they're having it in the even years, but they may be tweaking it to move it to before Christmas. So the next World Cross in Belgrade is going to be March 30th. But his point was like, look, some of the athletes who run World Cross, they also like to run indoor seasons. And it doesn't really much make much sense to have World Cross right at the end of this indoor season when athletes are focusing on their events or they're tired from racing or whatever. So 2026 World Cross, that's in Tallahassee, that's going to be January 10th. And he said, moving forward beyond that, they might move it to a December event. So you have this run-up to Christmas with Euro Cross and then World Cross. And I think that would be actually could work for NCAA athletes. You know, NCAA athletes run NCAA Cross. Then maybe you have the U.S. Cross Country Championships at the end of November or early December. And then you have World Cross. That, that actually might work. So they are still tweaking the calendar with World Cross. But in terms of World Indoors, there's a story that we just put up on the website. We talked about it at length on Friday's show. Josh Kerr has some quotes, I think, in The Guardian and the British papers. He's like, I grew up in Scotland. I really want to race, but I've got an American coach. He doesn't want me to get emotionally invested. I may not go to World Indoors. And you followed up on that and have spoken to Danny Mackey, his coach, because if you look, we, we were kind of outraged by it. Like, he's going to run Milrose. He's going to be in two-mile world record shape at Milrose. And World Indoors is what? three weeks after that, four weeks after that. And it's just one week later than when he was running an indoor race last year. So I'm like, he can't extend his season one, his indoor season one week to run in the home championships. And I get it. Unless he's an Olympic champion, they probably won't mention that he won world indoors when he dies. But it's just frustrating to me as a fan. Of course so it what is. Did- we, we haven't seen... So the last two World Championship 1500 meter finals have been among the most dramatic races ever in that event. Jake Whiteman beating Jakob Ingebrigtsen in Eugene. Josh Carr beating Jakob Ingebrigtsen in Budapest. We haven't seen those guys race each other since. Jake Whiteman was injured in 2023 and he didn't race Jakob after Worlds in 2022. Josh Carr went to Zurich after Worlds this year but Jakob wasn't there. Then Jakob went to the Diamond League final. Josh Kerr wasn't there. So those two haven't raced either. World Indoors, you think that should be a great opportunity. This is in Scotland. It's where Jake and Josh are from. Jakob always likes to run indoors. This would be the great 
start to the 2024 Olympic year. They get to run for a championship on the line, and then they run to the big one in Paris a few months later. As it is, it's possible none of them show up because Jake Weidman will not be there. His coach, Jeff, you know, his dad, Jeff, confirmed to us. Jake, sorry, Josh Kerr is still deciding. And Jakob is dealing with a sacrum injury. But I did talk to Danny Mackey about this yesterday. And he's, you know, kind of, I'm asking him some questions. He's like, I kind of get the sense that you want Josh Kerr to run. And this is what this interview is towards. I'm like, well, yeah, as a fan of the sport, I'd love to see him run. But he came out and he's like, he understands that. But the way he views it, he's like, look, I'm their coach, but I'm also supposed to be offering objective assessments of what they're at, what they can realistically handle. And I'm like, well, okay. So last year he ran this race in Birmingham. It's only a week before what World Windows would be. Why can't he do that again? And he's like, well, last year he went over, he was really over in only the UK to see his brother because he had a new nephew or niece that he wanted to meet. So we just kind of tapped on this race in Birmingham. It didn't go that well. So he's like, look, if you do it this time, going over, it's not just one race. It's two races at World Indoors, the seats in the final. It's also two heats, two races at the British Championships, which are two weeks before Worlds, because to qualify for the team, you have to run the trials. And I said, well, can he get a bye? Because he's the reigning world champion outdoors. They said, he said, no, you still have to show up. I don't think the selectors are going to let us get an exemption. So it's really two extra meets, which is four extra races. And then the other thing is like, look, when Josh Curry, his life has changed since winning the Worlds. There are now much greater demands on his time. His sponsors all want him to do all these promotion stuff. Any race he does, he has to be promoting his sponsors. He has to do media, all that stuff. And this was the quote that Danny had to me. For him to go add on two more races doesn't mean anybody to somebody else. It's only a mile. Go run it. But the amount of media and stress that he has to handle to do that adds up. If anybody doesn't think there's any cost to that, then they're stupid. And Robert, you seem you kind of seem disgusted by this, or what was your reaction? Well, is it the whole point to be successful? And then you do promote your media. I'm sorry, it's like part of the job. I mean, I get it, but at the same time, what athletes would be dying to have this problem? And even if he's not competing, he should be doing media. I, I don't know, part of your job is doing media. I just hope Jakob shows up then, because we need one of these guys there. But if Jakob shows up and the two Scottish guys don't, and wins the World Indoors in Scotland, <laughs> the legend will even grow even more. But I get it. There is no regular season in our sport, by and large, as long as you well, show up at the and the major championship every year and the major championship every four years, really. You win an Olympics, you're a lifetime legend. You win a world, it's kind of nice. So I do understand it. I mean, I dropped my life and like moved, quit my job and moved to the mountains. Started this website, turned out pretty well just because I'd made the Olympic marathon trials. Like, the Olympics was a pipe dream. 
Like, well, to your point, tell me right now who won the world indoors in 2022 at 1500. Who's the reigning world champion? I can do it. Samuel Tefera. Well, yeah, Robert, you were there. I was at the meet with you, so I know you would know it. But this, I'm saying this doesn't move the needle as much as World Outdoors or the Olympics, obviously. Danny said, you know, in general, he's just like, look, I'll give you the other the quote. He said, I'm worried about potential injury, the extra strength spit and travel. I'm worried just about just overall recovery. He's going to be going into August, which is for all these guys, their fourth major global championship in a row outdoors, feeling super energetic and excited and not tired. And his basic thing is like, look, there's been a lot of stress on these guys the last few years. Cars made the last four global finals, including three in a row. And he wants him still fired up. He doesn't. And you can say, hey, he should be doing both. And I get why people feel that way. I'm kind of still one of them. But at the same time, if your job is like, hey, I need to prepare him to be at his absolute best of the Olympics. And you're thinking, hey, this is just adding on. It's just easier for us to skip it. I do think it is. It is easier for them to skip it. And it gets rid of some of the stress that otherwise deal with. I would say in a fully professional sport, that's one of the things you, you kind of do have to deal with. Like if this was the NBA or the NFL or the Formula One, they just, Formula One sets the schedule. All the races have to show up to every race. They're not worried about fatigue or anything like that. They're just like, hey, the conditions are equal for everyone else. Everyone's going to go through that. Track and field isn't like that. There aren't any requirements. So that means that most people, if they're saying, hey, this is going to be a hindrance to me, this is going to be extra stress that I don't necessarily need to deal with, many athletes and coaches in Olympic year will just choose to excise it from their schedule. What was this nonsense you just said about how he said it was their fourth global championship in a row? These guys can't peak once a year, every year. The fact that they didn't have an off year because COVID delayed the Olympics. We didn't have the 2022 off year. That's ridiculous. You're paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and you're asked to show up once a year. And that's, he's now saying that's too hard to do. They're, they're fatigued from years of years of, of having one big meet. Thank God he's not in a real sport. But I'm not convinced he does have to show up at, do anything at UK indoors because David Monty race results weekly. Laura Muir ran some indoor race this weekend. And the quote here from race results weekly is with her 834 39 meeting record here in the 3000 meters. Laura Muir confirmed her place on the British team for the 2024, 2024 world athletics indoor championships in Glasgow in March. So, well, just, just maybe to, he has to just to clarify that Robert, because then Laura had her own Instagram post. And she said, I've not officially qualified yet, despite some media reports. The team will not be selected until after the British Championships in February. Now, in the past, I do feel like we've had some athletes basically just like, oh, I'm sick. I can't run the British trials. They'll still get picked to the team. Also, Britain has three spots in the 1500 on the men's side because Neil Gawley won the World Indoor Tour last year. So I feel like if they wanted to skip the UK trip, I mean, Danny said... He doesn't think they'd make an exception. I feel like they probably would, but it, as part of the, of the policy, they need to show up to the trials. I'm all for making people earn their spot, but then with UK, I'm like, I'll put him on the team so that he can go. But it's actually not fair for Josh that we're ripping him when he might actually show up. We know for a fact that Jake Whiteman will not be going 
Jonathan Galt broke this on the message board of the weekend. We published the article today and you reached out to it, you know, his uh, dad, the coach and Jeff, you know, also the uh, race announcer. And, you know, I mean, Jake's coming off an injury, didn't race at all last year. And here's his explanation. Jake ran world indoors in 2018 in Birmingham, finished six. That was when the Commonwealth Games was in the Gold Coast the following month. When he targeted the European indoors in Glasgow in 2009, he picked up his first major injury, a stress fracture of the sacrum just before Christmas. We therefore have decided to stick to a two to three race indoor season ever since. So, well, and he also noted Jake does not have the Olympic standard. So he's going to go to Australia in February, maybe run a race or two, and that would help him knock out the Olympic standard, which is to him more important than coming and running well indoors, I think. And again, it's hard, but the fact that Jake Whiteman has to chase the Olympic standard is absurd. We want the stars to go to the major championships, but we regularly see people skipping major championships so that, you know, they'll skip World Cross so they can run a 10,000 on the track. It's ridiculous. I, I don't know how to make a loophole for everybody. And, and I hate when they have the loopholes. I hate the buy for the defending Diamond League champions or world champions. But I, I see why they do kind of cater to the stars. I, I play it both ways. I think the trial system is the best, but I, I think all these standards is absurd. Let the countries unlock the standards and, and then you go. But I, I was, when I originally saw the Whiteman excuse, I was somewhat sympathetic to that. I'm like, look, he's injured. He needs the standard, et cetera. And when I was coaching at Cornell, the reality is, and Jake is more of an 815 guy than he is, you know, 15-5. So when I was coaching at Cornell, and this predated me, so from like the coach that started before me through me, every year for like 10 years in a row, one 800-meter runner got a stress fracture on the team indoors. So it was something about the setup, the track, whatever. It happened. Different coaches, whatever, those tight turns. But the difference is, like, it's not like Jake has to train on, on an indoor track. And he can train an Australian show at World Indoors. I guess he has to qualify. But I'm somewhat sympathetic. And actually, if you read that quote, I didn't realize it. It's like they were blaming the long season, like the 2018 season for a 2019 injury, right? I don't think so. I think he's just saying, look, this happens. We see with a lot of athletes when they say they don't want to run world cross. You'd be like, oh, the course, I'm worried about getting injured at this. So someone will get injured when they haven't really hit the indoor season hard, which we have seen happen with certain athletes. They say, I've got the Olympics this year. This happened to me a few years ago. I don't want to take any risk of that this year. So look, again, I said, I'm not going to say like, oh, this is all Jake Whiteman's fault, all Josh Kerr's fault, who again, Kerr hasn't even completely ruled out running world indoors. There are going to be many, many athletes who decide not to run this meet. Danny Mackey pointed out, it's like pretty much every sprint sprinter doesn't run this meet. Like Noah Lyle, Shakari Richardson, are they going to show up and run world indoors? No, they, you, they're probably not even going to get Rick for it because, you know, they, it's just like, oh, who really, he basically pointed that out. It's like, no one's really going to be making a big stink about Shakari Richardson not running world indoors. So... I get where they're coming from. When the incentive, the incentive structure of the sport is for athletes to prioritize the outdoor global championship at the expense of everything else, and they're going to act in their own best interest because that's what pays the bills. That's what 
that legacy is defined on throughout their career. I would love it if while the indoors grew in stature and I'm okay with the Olympics diminishing a little, I think it should still be the most important event in our sport, but it'd be great to have more events that matter, but I just don't know the way the sport is structured with where we're at right now, if that's feasible. Well, even if we really cared about it, though, the, the dire track fans, nothing's going to make the world pay attention except for the Olympics. Right. And that's just much more massive. But, I mean, we don't have this up, but you, you concluded an interview recently today or yesterday with Alicia Monson. She's running the, the Mill Rose Games. They pay an appearance fee. They've reached out to us. They're really trying to promote it to sell tickets. And then it comes out there that she tells you, so she's running Milrose. What's the date on that? February 11th. And John's like, well, are you going to run World Cross or World Indoors? No. I'm going to go to the 10. Now, she doesn't even need the standard. She's already got the standard in the 10,000 meters. And she's going to skip the World Cross and or the World Indoors to run a 10,000, a meaningless 10,000 meters on the track that like 400 people are going to watch. To me, this is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I, I I appreciate her doing the interview with you, but and people always like you're always being negative. But I I okay yeah like on like Jordan Donnelly the on shoe designer like come on like you rather have your athletes run a time trial in the middle of the night instead of a world championship. She, apparently she told you well you know the best runners in the world can run under th which what was the quote John roughly yeah I don't have the exact quote but her logic is this like she again. The most important meet for her in 2024 is the Olympic Games. And she was fifth in the World Championships in 2023. And she wants to know, what can I do to close that gap and to get a medal? And the way she sees it is the very best athletes in her event, they can run well under 30 minutes and still kick off of that, no problem. She's like, I have to be able to do that. I have to, if I want a medal, I need to be able to run well under 30 minutes and still have something left to kick at the act. So her thinking is, I got to get myself in as good a shape as possible. I want to go out to the 10. I want to show and prove to myself, give myself confidence. I can run 29, 30 or 40 or something like that. And then I actually can put myself in the conversation. That's the way she's approaching it, why she's doing the 10, even though she already has the American record of that distance even though she already has the Olympic standard in that distance, even though we've got a world indoors and a world cross in March. And Robert, she's talking about Jordan Donnelly and on. On wants to see her run well at the Olympics. That's the whole point. That's the problem with their sport. Athletes can justify, and I was the same way, you do X, Y, Z exactly this way and you're better at the Olympics. You can't refute the logic. It's an impossible thing to improve. You could say, oh, Jakob Ingerbritsen does these things. He does fine. Well, oh, wait, actually, he lost the world. I mean, you can, you can justify this any way that you want. But essentially, when one meet matters, really matters. Right. I always tell, well, they said, you know, what can, is there anything World of Athletics can do to make athletes want to run World Indoors or World Cross? You know, have them make structure the sport differently. Because she like Alicia Munson, to her credit, she ran World Indoors in 2022 in Belgrade. She went out there and ran that meet when the number of Americans skipped it. So I, I give her credit for that. But she's like, look, it's hard when things overlap with the Olympics. The Olympics are always going to be the priority. And 
you know, she's like, well, cross. She's not going to be the only American distance runner who's not choosing to run that meet. She did cite a potential risk of injury. Again, they're just going to block out everything. If they think there's even a chance, it might hinder their preparation for the Olympics. Uh, maybe I would give people automatic Olympic standards if they run world indoors. But you ask, what can she do to, to close the gap? Nothing. She's not even remotely in the same. She could could she medal in her life? Yes, she could do it. Just like Shailene can win a New York City marathon. Like if the very best women in the world aren't on top of their game or decide not to run that event or are pregnant, then she can do it. I mean, she was right there at the bell last year and she got her doors blown off by what four seconds, but she was fifth. But she's not in, remotely in the same level of ability as Gudolf Segei, Letsinat Gaday, Safan Hassan. And she will never beat them. That's depressing if you want to think about it. But I mean, she beat Hassan in the 10K at Budapest. I know Hassan fell. But you, you're just saying, like, oh, this stuff will never happen. It's like, this stuff does happen. We saw Hassan fell in Budapest. Like, sometimes someone will have a bad race. Sometimes there's an injury. She absolutely I know, but- can put herself in the conversation and medal. And I, I get why she's thinking that way that's how you got to approach the sport i at their best those women are better than her no doubt but they might not all be at their best in paris how about this though so i just don't understand like like i guess i'm playing it both ways because i want inga benson to practice the non-rabbit at 1500 before the worlds but here i'm like she doesn't need to practice this like you get how do you do it you get an amazing shape you get in the same shape there you get in the shape that you like you get in 2930 shape you don't necessarily need to run a 29.30 on the track to prove that you're 29.30 shape. So you get an amazing shape and you run World Cross and you get a medal there. <laughs> and then you know, hey, I can compete with these girls. But if how would you do it? You would pay them. In an ideal world, you'd have a lot of money. Why is she going to Milrose? I assume because it's convenient, it's not overseas, and she's getting paid. So if World Cross is paying her to go there, would she might go there instead? I don't know. Right, and then if that gets back and it, the incentive structure of the sport. It's, again, we're, we're talking about individual athletes making these choices, but it's many athletes making the same choice. There will be top athletes who go to these events, but some of them will skip it, and it's because the incentives aren't high enough for them to do it. Real quickly, I have the results here of the 2022 Lathan Diamond League. Alicia Montana, your second place. Beatrice Chibet, third place. Stefan Hassan, fourth place. I'm pretty sure, for sure, one of those names Robert said she would never beat. But we've already lost half our viewers by talking about this. First, I think first we need to give some acknowledgement. Congratulations to the Let's Run.com Athletes of the Year, Faith Kipiagon and Calvin Kiptum. World Athletics said it was too tough to select an Athlete of the Year. Especially on the men's side, I think, was the thinking. But we did it. Both these athletes had unbelievable record-breaking years. Faith QPA gun. World champion at 1,500, 5K. World records at 1,500, 5K, and the mile. Although she would lose the 5K record before the year was up. Kelvin kept him. It's hard to believe the two-hour, 35-second world record in the marathon. He's doing stuff that Kipchoge has never done. Sub one hour in the second half of both of his marathons this year. I've never seen anything like it. And I think that's what pushed us across 
the line for him because there were two other really strong contenders. Sorry, Noah Lyles. It wasn't, didn't even come down to Noah Lyles, who we'll be announcing tomorrow as our MVP of the World Championships. I mean, that was clear. But of the season as a whole, it came down to Calvin Kiptum, Ryan Krauser, and Mondo Duplantis. Duplantis and Krauser had two of the most amazing seasons ever in their events. Both won worlds, both set world records. Track and Bill News has selected Krauser as the their athlete of the year. I think that might be a little American bias because World Athletics didn't even have Krauser as the field inventor of the year. And the main knock on Krauser was he lost the second biggest meet of the year. We say one meet only matters, but if there's a second big meet, it is the Diamond League final. He lost that, whereas Mondo, he did a walk-off. He ended the Diamond League final with a world record. So I think because of that, I would pick Mondo over Krauser as the field inventor of the year. I think I'm going Krauser. I mean, it's, it's, it's very much a toss-up because they had nearly identical seasons. Mondo broke the world record twice. Krauser had the two longest throws in history, uh, but he did it. His longer one was first, so he only broke the world record once, but... He had that. I, mean, I, I give kind of, kind of an edge because of that performance in Budapest, twenty three fifty one with the blood clots was just phenomenal for him to do that. And Mondo did not break the world record in Budapest, so I know it wasn't a world record by Krauser either. But the other the other thing is there is more competition in the shot play in terms of all time greats right now than there is in the pole vault. When Mondo got beat, he finished fourth in Monaco. He jumped 572. Kind of a middling mark for him. When Krauser got beat, he still threw 2291 in the Prefontaine Classic. I mean, that's the same winning mark as that amazing all-time great shot put final in Doha in 2019 at the World Championships. It's just he got beat by Joe Kovacs, who also happens to be one of the best shot putters ever maybe would be the shot put dunk if Ryan Krauser didn't exist. So I do get like, yeah, it was a bigger meet that he lost, but he also lost to a guy who historically is much better than anyone Mondo's facing. In some ways, the debate between the field of winners made it easier for us to pick Kiptum. But to me, the, the thing that put Kiptum over the top was just the dominance like what the marathon is one of the marquee events in track and field, and he basically ran two marathons. The only, what could he have done better? He won one by almost three minutes, two fifty-eight, another one by more than three minutes. In the last twenty-five world marathon majors, I think only three have been won by more than one minute. Two of them were by him this year. Is that the stat that we came up with, John? And it, you know. Nobody had won London by more than a minute since 2012 and Chicago by more than 30 seconds since 2011 or something like that. It's just like, and he's just miles ahead of them. Elliot Kipchoge has run 14 platinum races in his life. Made marathons. He's won six by more than one minute. Kipton's won with an average margin of victory of like 130, 120, I mean. 
Kipnis won three. He's won all three with an average victory, margin of victory by like 230. Like we, we've never seen anything like it. You, you said it good to me, John. What could a marathoner do that's better? I think the only explanation would be run three races or break a world record in both. But to me, the London win was basically like Mondo jumping 620 when the world record is 623, but he clears the bar by like 10 centimeters. And you're like, okay, that's a world record jump. That might have been the greatest ma- jump we've ever seen. Like that London race might have been the greatest marathon we've ever seen. And then he's like, okay, yeah, he does in Chicago. Yeah, I think Kipton Krauser or Mondo, any of them would have been deserving of our award. Kipton's a worthy winner, but you know what? If you're a let's run listener and you disagree with that, that's fine. That's part of the fun of these awards, right? Is you hand out something. It's kind of difficult to compare athletes across events. Somehow World Athletics managed it for 35 years and then suddenly 2023, it's too difficult. But it gives us something to talk about. It's podcast, sports, fodder. It's stuff that fans get engaged about and debate. And there's a whole, one of the best threads I've read on Let's Run all year was someone saying, how did Noah Lyles get the track athlete of the year award over Jakob Ingebrigtsen? They thought Jakob had a better year and made a compelling case for it. That's kind of fun. It's, I enjoy debating this sort of stuff. So it's okay. It's not like a gold medal where... Everyone knows exactly what that means. Like, well, athletics, people know it's a subjective award. People vote for it. Well, they used to vote for it until well, athletics made the rule, changed the rules in the middle of, of the season. It's okay to disagree. Yeah, but back to that Wiles Ingebrigtsen thing, it was an amazing thread, but I, I was listening to Friday's podcast again. I, I think y'all are right. Like, the fact that Ingebrigtsen lost his main event at Worlds, he's behind Loa. Like, it's kind of like the Super Bowl in the sense of like the Patriots can go undefeated, but when you lose the Super Bowl, it's tough to, 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 to. Right. Some people say the 2007 Patriots were the greatest team of all time. And then a lot of other people are just like, how can that possibly be? They didn't do the one thing that's supposed to define you as great. So if you want to say that disqualifies Jakob from being athlete of the year, because he didn't win the one race of the year that he rallied above the wall else, I think, I think it's valid, but I also think it's fair to say, Regular season-wise, he was running faster and winning more than Noah. So hey, that's why it's a fun debate, again. Speaking of Noah, he put out a statement on X saying, I believe I found the right words for what happened at the Athlete of the Year Awards. When they decided to split the award without telling any of us, <laughs> including the fans that voted, it made me feel that none of our achievements were good enough to be Athlete of the Year. I, I don't actually agree with that logic, but I think that it's just ruining it. Well, you don't like have to agree with his winner, logic. That's, that's how he felt, Robert. No, I know, but I, I agree with it. Like, to me, like, when everyone's a winner, you're ruining it. It's not that they're not worthy. You're not, you're just saying, you're, you're wimping out. They're trying to say they're all worthy. And I, I actually, I guess what he's saying, and he's saying, no, we're none of us are worthy. It's like, you got to say who's the best. No, the, the way this, there's a simple solution here, Robert. We have it with the Bowman every year, which I enjoy. You take the three finalists, they go to the coaches' convention, then they hand out the Bowman Award, and one of them wins it. Well, athletics, you do all the voting and everything, and you say, okay, here are the three athletes of the year in each discipline, like out of stadium, which I think it should just be roads, track, and field. And you take the winner of those three awards, you fly them into Monaco, and then you say, okay, one of you has won the overall athlete of the year. 
So that way we can honor each athlete in their dis- correct disciplines, but we also keep the prestige of the overall athlete of the year. And no one's confused great, that way. Great solution. But I, 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 this stadium and, and track, dumb. Here's my solution. You have three winners. Sprints, track. Excuse me. Sprints, distance, field. We don't need to have out of stadium. That's race walking versus marathon. No, that's going to be the best marathon in the world. So just do distance, sprints, field. Shit, I need to write an art column on that. That's a brilliant idea by me. I, I, I like that, actually, because, yeah, the roads, I mean, also, come on, athlete of the year is never going to go to a race walker, no matter how good they are. So really, it's probably going to be marathon or someone who's breaking the world record at 10K or that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I'm, I think I'm with you on that one, Robert. Multi-eventers get... You count them as field event, I think, in this case. While we were talking about Kipton, it reminded me that the World 25, the fastest 25Ks ever run in a 25K race were run last weekend at the Tata Steel Kolkata 25K in India. I only mention this because Daniel Abeno, he's also got another last name, John. I think Daniel Samiu is the other name he's known by, right? Yeah. He was the, the men's record setter. And Sutume Kibeti of Ethiopia set the women's record, beating Y squared. She ran 118.47. Samiu ran 111.13. And I was like, okay, what pace is that? For the woman, it's 212.58 marathon pace. And you're running a little bit a little faster than, than half marathon, so... Definitely, when they, when they when Tidjus and Cephas at the world record of the marathon, she was running faster. And Abenio, he ran a one eleven thirteen. When between fifteen k and forty k in Chicago, Kipton ran one eleven fourteen. So just one second slower. It's just over sixty second, sixty flat pace. So that just shows you how good Kipton is. But it also reminded me of like we get caught up in times on the track a lot of the time who's ripping these 5,000s and all these Ethiopians are running 1252. And, and then there's only three medals to hand out. It's not always the guys that are hammering the, the diamond leagues. Maybe I, I'm actually now making an argument, skipping all these races, but Daniel Binyo had, had a great year. I mean, he was second in the Kenyan trials in the 5,000, but he's only, he only ran 1360. That's the seasonal best in the 5,000 second in the Kenyan trials in the 10,000. Goes to Budapest, doesn't run, doesn't even run the five thousand, just the ten thousand. Runs a twenty six fifty seven PB, gets the silver. Goes to World Half, gets the silver. He wins the Istanbul and New Delhi halves, which are two of the biggest halves. I forgot he did run. He also ran World XC, by the way, sixth the World XC. You know, so he's not ripping the fast times on the circuit, but he's showing up at the big races and, and doing quite well. So, like, when we still, again, you know, when we're going back to, like, Grant Fisher trying to get a medal, there's these guys that we don't pay that much attention to, but when they peak well, they can get the silver medal awards. Robert, actually, speaking of peaking, not to totally derail this, but I did ask Danny Mackey. I was like, okay, I've seen other athletes, though, like, the last two Olympic 1500 meter champion on the men's side ran a major Europe, a major indoor championship that year. 
Matthew Centrowitz won World Indoors in 2016 and then won the Olympics. Jan Mengebrigsen doubled Euro Indoors in 2021 and then won the Olympics. You know, we've seen it's possible for their athletes to do that. And he's just basically like, yeah, some athletes can. I don't really know how they do it, but with us, we really peak hard once a year, and that's kind of how we run it. His explanation was like, I don't know how Jakob does it, to be honest. Jakob, he can race 25 times a year, break all these records, and we peak for 10 months. That's not really been Josh's MO. We've been pretty selective when he can really be ready to, ready to go. We don't have a massive window with him. So... It kind of like someone like a Benio, he's been crushing it since February, running really, really well the whole year. Jakob Ingebrigtsen and Yari Nagus were pretty much the same, but not every athlete operates like that. And I don't know, do you, do you like, do you buy it? Some athletes are just built different that they can run well the whole year, whereas some other need to peak, or what do you make of that? Because personally, to me, it seems very hard to maintain that level of performance for like nine or 10 months at a time. And I'm, I'm impressed by the ones who do it, but I can understand the ones who aren't able to. That would be the whole episode of a podcast with John Kellogg about the peak and the emotional peak and the mental, physical peak. I, I think it's a little bit different, John, for the middle distances, to be honest. It's a lot more speed work required to get the quote unquote peak right. Um, and I guess someone would argue that Benio wasn't winning anything. He was finishing second. Who would argue that? To what? He got second at World Half and second at the 10,000 at Worlds. I mean, that's pretty spectacular, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, John. One of the big threads of the weekend, Josh Kerr, 61-51 half marathon, which was, what did he run last year? 63 or 64 minutes in the same race? Everybody was going crazy over this. 63-44. So to, to me, this is a great sign for Josh Kerr because – He's almost two minutes faster than he ran in the same race last year. And yes, everyone, everyone, no one can talk about this result without saying it's 714 feet downhill. Yeah, we know that. It's a half marathon in December by a 1500 guy. No one's really saying like, oh, it shouldn't have been converts to this. It should have been this. Like, compared to what he did last year, he ran 63-44 and won the world championship gold medal. I'd say running 61-51, the same event, same time of year. Pretty good. This was the San Diego Holiday Haas, by the way, uh, when Josh Kerr ran this half marathon. But one of the other things, Robert, that got me to thinking, and I know it got you thinking this as well, because I saw you posting on the message boards. I'm like, all right, if Josh Kerr can run 61-51 at this race, which is very downhill, what could Jakob Ingebrig say run at this event? I think on the thread I said he could run 55-59. Sounds crazy. But here's my logic. Ryan Hall ran 59-43. Come on, Jakob's better than that. So let's give him 59 flat. Old shoes. Give him another minute for the shoes. We're now at 58 flat. This course is like 700 feet downhill. That's like two minutes. So we're at 56 flat. And then we... Give him an extra second just for history. 55, 59. I, I do think he could run like 56 something on this. Like, do we think, like, based on these VO2 max, I mean, there, there's threads on Let's Run from like five years ago, six years ago, before he was a big star. Like, they did some threshold testing, anaerobic threshold testing. It was off the charts. And people were saying like, he could easily break an hour in the half marathon. So if that's his best event based on these testing, like, I think he's clearly a 58 minute guy. Subtract two minutes, that's 56. 
55 would like take would be like ridiculous, but it would be fun to like raise a million dollars and say we'll give it to whoever can run 55, 59 at the San Diego at the holiday. Is it called the holiday San Diego have? San Diego holiday house. I mean, yeah, I think I looked at what those guys did in Valencia. Yomi Kajalcha running 5741, Gebra running 5741, Borrega 5750. I have to think that the 5,000 meter world champion is capable of running like around that same sort of time. So he's probably a 57 high, 58 low guy. And then big downhill, I mean, 55 minutes for a half marathon it just seems kind of absurd. But if he's in his peak shape, and he goes to this race at the big downhill. Yeah, maybe maybe 56 minutes could be possible. Come on. That's just... It's a bit much. Ideal fitness. I mean, off-season in December, fine. But with the world championships of the half marathon and Jakob was in it, let's run posters. We're saying this is like a minute, minute and a half. There's a couple uphills. It's not just straight downhill. It's not a perfect shot downhill. I, I'm just not going to go with the trolling 55 minutes. <laughs> but, but I'm going to say you can run like a 56 high. That's crazy. The, the, the crazy thing for me is like we all praised Josh Kerr when he did, did this last year. I think mainly this race shows what a transformation he's run as, made as a runner, right? Last year he ran 63-something. Is that correct? Yeah, 63-44. And we were just – people were amazed by that at the time. Right, Josh Kerr, Wow. This year he's a minute and a half faster, and I'm not as shocked. He's a different type of runner. He's taken off some weight. I think over you know a half marathon, a few extra pounds are going to be harder for a 1500 guy. But I think this shows what Danny's doing with him. He's getting stronger. So, kudos to him. I think the bigger question to me is. Let's let's see that G'day versus Josh Kerr half marathon straight up. Who wins? I feel fairly strongly on this. Uh, it's Josh Kerr. I'm sorry. He's just not going to, he's just going to sit on her and he won't get dropped. But I was thinking about this because let's ask him about G'day ran 62.52 in Valencia in 2021. That's a very fast course, but it's flat. This one's downhill. If you say the downhill's worth a minute or so. That will put it around where she's at right now. But I I refuse to see a while where Latessa Bekide drops Josh Kerr in a half marathon. I just don't think that would happen. And, and that's just because of your inherent sexism baked in your body, right, John? You're just for confirmation? I'd, I just don't see him getting dropped. I think he's too strong. Like he can run 733 for 3,000 meters. Latessa Bekide couldn't touch there in her wildest dreams. I just don't think she's... I know she's really strong, but I don't think she's strong enough to drop in a half marathon. Wow, without thinking about it, I was thinking she would definitely win because she had two minutes to his time. But yeah, John, he ain't losing to her, is he? I would pay to watch it. God, I'd watch that. By the way, while y'all were discussing, John Kellogg heard me talking. Let's run coaching guru. So asking about some of the stuff. One peak versus two peaks versus being peaked all the time. He said he believes in two peaks a year versus one for developmental purposes. You get, you know, you get two bait, you get two big base, three month base phases a year instead of just trying to do a longer one, which is boring. You get the preseason training and whatnot. He says it is possible to be like kind of what Ingebrigtsen does, which is like just 
you're in high fitness all the time and you're just three to four weeks away from like really being able to hammer it with a few speed oriented workouts. But he said, generally runners that are do that are ones that have a huge lifetime base. So he thought that someone like Jakob would be better suited for that as compared to Josh Kerr. So that's kind of interesting. Well, the other interesting thing about Jakob is he does run these indoor races, but I don't think he, I'm sure he does a little bit of speed walk and stuff for him, but from the way he understands, he says, and I think his training like from, you know, October and November till May, that's still, that's a huge base building stuff. And he's really at his best from like May through September, which is still a while to maintain a peak, but it's not like, you know, not October, November, that's like peaking it breaks in. That's that's more base work, and he's just so naturally good that you can still put out pretty high-level performances. All right, predictions now. Do we think he runs World Indoors or not? My heat got – I am taking credit. Are you all giving me credit for Noah Lyles running the Diamond League final? Because he said he wasn't doing it. I put a little hub, cubbub up on the internet, and he changed his mind. I think this is working here for Josh. My prediction is he will run World Indoors. I'd love to see it. Wait, are we asking about Josh or Jakob? You said Jakob at the start and you changed your mind. I meant Josh. Talking to Danny, I get the sense he won't do it. But I think what you really want here, Robert, is like him to get sick or something. He's like, look, if he gets sick and can't run Milrose, then we might want to do a couple different races and then there's a chance he could do it. So I'm going to say he doesn't, but I'd love to see it. I think it would be great for the sport, especially if we get Carvos. Carvos is Ingebrigtsen in Glasgow. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, that's that's exactly what we want. All the Scottish fans coming out, the Norwegian fans. That's not a long trip from Norway. Norway to Glasgow. Just hop across the North Sea. Well, if Kerr needs any motivation, he should just read the thread that I started on Let's Run. Friendly, remind, friendly reminder to Josh Kerr and Jake Whiteman: Central Roots won World Indoors and Olympics in 2016. The sport needs you there. And some of these posts are just amazing. Just another hobby jogger wrote, you want Colonel Whiteman to show up? Just ask Jacob to race only the 3,000. So they're implying that they're scared of Jacob. 92 up votes, four down votes. Yeah, okay, dude says. It's obvious Kerr doesn't want to run in Glasgow, but can't come out and say it. So instead, we get this fabricated conversation between him and his coach about how difficult the decision is. For him to imply that racing world indoors, he runs the risk of not even making the Olympics is ludicrous. It's weird that a self-proclaimed championship racer like Kerr is chasing the indoor two-mile record, but won't be chasing up the, showing up to the global championships that his own country is hosting. I can't imagine who he's trying to avoid. 110 up votes, two down votes. We'll link to that in the show notes. I've been having so much fun on the message board like this week. Like, there's some really great things. Like, there's been some amazing posts. Like, it's just huge upvotes. Well, can the public see who's got the upvotes and the downvotes? Or is that a private feature for us? Wow. Roger is asking on the world famous forums if the actual viewers can see the upvotes and downvotes. Yes. We added that, like, I don't know, a couple years ago. No, but can they see, like, I can have a top 10 list of most upvoted. I have, like, a dashboard. Pretty sure they can't see that. Maybe that should be for supporters club members only. Yeah. 
Or we write a weekly column of the best of Let's Run Forum. All right, a few other things. I got to get out of here soon. God. Kids at sports camp. Um, I thought this was cool. Someone started a thread on, on, on the forum saying that Katie Izzo might be picking up the 10,000 standard by running some World XC. By running uh, some XC races in Europe. So she got second at the cross champs here in the U.S. She's headed over Spain. I don't know what she's done, but she's she's trying to take advantage of the loophole in the system. So good for her on that. And there is some depressing news. It's not really depressing, but one of the cool... Uh, I've always wanted to write an article on Let's Run about some of the coolest streaks in running history. I mean, you obviously have these streaks of guys that have run, you know, every day for 40 years. My coworker, Artie Smith at Cornell, used to battle it out for 25 minutes every day with the other assistant coach. There was a guy in upstate New York. He had run sub two in like the 800 for like 25 years in a row. It was crazy. I hate to find that one, John. But Nick Willis, two-time Olympic medalist in the 1500. He's gone sub four in the mile. John, do you know how many years in a row it is? 20 years in a row. So I guess that means it started in 2002. Started in 2003 and most recently did it in 2022. So at least once every calendar year, Nick Willis had done it. But it appears he will not do it this year. There was a thread on, on the message board. And normally there's not fake news on the message board. There's been some fake news on the message board recently. Saying Nick Willis is going to try it on Christmas Day. And when I saw this, I was so excited because I was thinking about this a few months ago. I was like, wow. I don't think Nick's in shape. I haven't seen anything on Instagram. He's just given up. Because what he should do is you get in shape, you bang it out like Christmas Day this year, and then do it again in January, and then you're set for two years. But Jonathan Galtz has texted him. Nick has confirmed that he will not be doing a sub-four attempt. So not only does the 20-year streak end, but this also means he will never have broken four minutes sub-four over the age of 40 because he's – Turned 40 in April of, 20, of uh, this year. Robert, I was, I mean, I disappointed is the wrong word, I guess, because it's not like it's Nick's fault or anything, but I saw this thread and I was just like, I got excited. I was like, this is great. I thought it was over. I thought he'd given up the ghost. He comes back and I'm like, this is, this is awesome. I'm so excited now. I'm trying to break four or 40 years old. And then I'm like, but I haven't seen anything on his social media. I feel like Tracksmith wouldn't play it up. So yeah, next light now, unless they've invented, unless I can get some 70 millimeter stack height super spikes, I'm not going to be doing this race. So a little bummed. Shame on you, message board poster, for getting my hopes up about this because it would have been fun to watch. But I think, I think Robert, you were wondering like, who has the next longest sub four streak? Like, is there anyone else who's, who's, you know, he suggested Centro, but Centro didn't do it this year. So, or Centro didn't do it last year. Sorry, twenty twenty two. So, who has the next longest streak? I, I don't know. If you've broken four minutes in ten or more consecutive years, please let us know so we can bestow upon you the new title of longest streak holder, active streak holder. What I kind of want to know. First of all, I'm fine with shoes. Some shoe company. It'd be great free publicity if they could just manufacture a monster shoe like a hundred centimeter stack height with spikes and it's just like a machine that he runs on but just to see how crazy 
you know, it's like a prototype type thing. But another question I had was like, let's say that he had the incentive. It's like this sport. Like, okay, every, if there was $10 million in every race, people would show up for it. Like if he was paid a million dollars a year that he did it for the rest of his life, how many more years could he keep doing it? I wonder who's the oldest human being to break for. I mean, Lagarde. I mean, Ian Coughlin, I know, broke four when he was 40 years old. But Bernard Lagarde won the Olympic trials 5,000 when he was 41. So No way. Yeah, man. 2016. I remember it. I was there. It was totally nuts. So he could have done it for a bunch more years after that. I may run a mile on January 1st. I'm trying to get to the worst fitness of my life with my broken elbow. I haven't run in at least five weeks. I'm not sure I've been running before that. And I'm trying to get put, tip the scale, gain a bunch of weight. And then I'm going to like post like a before and after, maybe a YouTube series just for supporters club. Like I, I, I want to do it on New Year's Day. Just go out to the track, not having a run. Do I even warm up or I just start off? No, and no, want you want to make it as bad as possible. Give yourself as many disadvantages. Don't run in any sort of soup. Like we're in some shoe from the 1970s or something like that. And we've got well, I think Fat Rojo on New Year's Day, and then we're going to have Thin Svelte Rojo on December 31st, 2024. Do I go shirtless? I just put up, I, I mean, oh, I mean, I'm kind of afraid of people, I don't want people to see me. I could take off my shirt and put up a tripod. I don't want my wife to see me. And then just no warm up at all. And try to hit 90 for the first lap and then just see what happens. The shirtless thing, Robert, I feel like there's good marketing potential there, but at the same time, like it's dangerous. So I feel like maybe you keep that footage private because I feel like it could be used against you in future times. But I don't want to be It's also good. I feel like it's good motivation. You, You throw out this stinker like that you would have to train the rest of 2024 because you don't want that as being your record of fitness for that year. You're like, if you don't get in shape and run something faster, that's what people will judge you on. Maybe we're going to sponsor it on this as well. Like sponsor Rojo's road to what time would you consider good? Like what would be like a good end of season goal? Well, no, come on. You're not breaking three hours in the marathon next year. Let's be a little bit more realistic. What'd be a good mile for you at the end of 2023? Three, like sub six thirty. Sorry, end of twenty twenty four. Sub six thirty, sub five. <laughs> Robert, come on, realistic here. Am I the being insulting, Weldon? I don't think I just don't think Robert could run a sub five mile by the end of next year. I will break five of the mile before I die, and I'll break three hours, and it'll be a match race with Chris Chavez just to stop the stop the woke insanity that comes out of that that outfit, and then. Break three the next week in the marathon. Aren't they kind of similar? Yeah, but John, almost like 10 years ago, I barely broke three. I don't think it's happening. The sub five, oh, Robert, Eric Hawkins, guy I ran in college, tried to do it a couple years ago, couldn't do it. So oh, Robert God. from Wait, like- how, how old was Steve Spence when his sub five streak ended? I think Robert is vastly underestimating how difficult it's going to be for a man in well, I'm not going to say your actual age, but, you know, you, you've been on this earth quite a while. You think you can just run a sub five? It's not going to happen, man. Sub five, it might be harder. So, so can we just strike that? By the way, I love Chris Chavez. He's a nice dude. I was joking there, people. Um, 
Let's see here, three-hour marathon, John Kelly. Well, I have sure. a question. I mean, we've been we've been changing the world with the medical advice we're giving here. You know, I've really changed the world. Men, if your balls hurt, you may have a varicocele. Reach out to your urologist. That's my constant reminder. But I thought about, too, when we talked to um, Kira D'Amato, somehow her husband was, like, doing a mile all on. I was all inspired. I was like, yeah, go do it. But I want a medical professional to make sure. If I do, I'm almost like I play soccer once a week. Not in the winter. If I never really run hard, it was no training, and I could just go, I'm going to go all out, run a mile as hard as I can, could that, like, cause me to have a heart attack or something? Medical professionals, please email me, wejo at letsrun.com, okay. or podcast at letsrun.com. Actually, that's better. We always check that one. Podcast at letsrun.com. Anyone can give us feedback. And, guys, we've not done the best thing in running this week. Wait. For the record, John Kellogg has a 55.1 mile equal to 256 in the marathon. He's got 259. It's 2504.8. I'm not good at the mile, so maybe that's impossible. I got to go pick up my son. All right. For the record, Steve Spence was 57 when his sub five straight street, sorry, sub five street ended. He broke five 43 years in a row until 2019. So the fact that he was a guy who was doing it and he didn't shake the whole time. And he only made it to 57 with the streak. I just don't trust Robert's abilities to get, get under next year. Yeah. Could Robert even run a sub? Like, could he run a sub six mile by the end of 2023? It's 2024. I think that's ambitious, but I wouldn't a hundred percent rule it out. He'd need to get on it right from the start. No months off. You know, you might not be able to go to the Olympics in Paris. You got to train through that. You know, you got to skip every event. Until the sub six attempt on uh, December thirty first. I heard you, John. I haven't left. That's why I'm going out at ninety for the first lap to give me a sh- chance to do it with zero training. Or oh, you think you could do a sub six? The intentionally gaining weight, Rojo could run a sub six on New Year's Day. No, that's not happening. All right, we're not having the post of the week was the starter of the Nick Willis thread. Maybe we should say the troll of the week. I think you know some people don't like trolling. That was such such a good job. It wasn't mean spirited. It didn't hurt anyone. We all believed it. Can't believe Tracksmith didn't think about this. They should have made Nick run all year and market the hell out of this. Tracksmith's pretty good at marketing. But Robert touched on it. I think the best thing in running this week. Katie Izzo trying to qualify for the Olympics in the 10,000 meters by taking advantage of the system. This is smart. We all, we talked about this so much today. Everyone dreams of the Olympics. Well, now it's really hard to hit these automatic standards. You got to run under 30, 40 in a 10K. I mean, and you're still not guaranteed the U.S. are going to the Olympics, but the other way to be counted of having that standard is to be top eight in the world in the world cross-country rankings, and that's after they only three Kenyans are allowed and three Ethiopians. Oh, and they're not even in the rankings because those countries are going to have people with the auto standard. Like last year, it was women from Brazil or Spain getting in. Like, Katie Izzo is good enough to get one of those spots. And it's awesome. I'd, I'd like to see more athletes do it. Now, the issue is you need to have the funding to be able to go over and race in Spain a couple of times or some of these other beats. But if you're in a position where you can do it and your, or your sponsor will send you to Spain, hell yeah, that's awesome. She ran the 
sound running cross champs and got second in that. She ran this meet in Spain over the weekend and got third. Spain's a lovely place to visit, so that's a fun trip, I'm sure. Then I'm guessing she'll probably run US Cross in January and maybe if she makes the team, World Cross in March. So that'll get her ranking spots. But yeah, if you're like a pretty good Katie Izzo level 10,000 meter runner and you've got a sponsor who's willing to send you to a QC European cross-country races in fall 23 or early 24, go for it. I'm with you, Weldon. That's the best thing in running this week. Yeah, for the for those of you guys who don't know, she's sponsored by Adidas. I'm not even sure what group she's in, John. Believe she's coached by Terrence Mann. Could that make sense? I figure she's kind of independent. So thank you, Adidas. Thank you, Terrence, for thinking this. Because, like, regularly thinking she's not even on my Olympic radar. I mean, right now her 10 KPR is a 32-22. But she's run 15-13 for 5,000. But they're probably thinking, like, hey, 30-40 might be really hard for you. Do the cross-country route. You'll have fun. You'll get to go to World Cross. And then come the Olympic trials in the 10K, somehow you get the top three. Or maybe four fifth. Maybe if somebody opts out or something like that. You're an Olympian. So I love it. And she needs to get the ranking points. How many cross-country? I guess she does U.S. Cross and World Cross. She'll get the ranking, so... You need three performances to get a ranking. But some of the, I mean, World Cross, it's worth more points, but it's also more competitive. Like, the way to do it is to go to one of these cherry picks and points of these races in Spain, which is kind of what she did over the weekend. But again, trip to Spain and you get to boost your chances of going to the Olympics, it's a pretty good deal if, if it's that for you. So if you're an aspiring Olympian, Get on the phone or send some emails to those meet directors in Spain. See if they can pay for your travel over for one of these cross-country races and get on it. Yeah, so we must praise the Cross Internacional de Venta de Baños. It's the race she ran. I'm assuming either she or Taryn, somebody must be listening to Let's Run because I feel like we're the ones who publicized. People need, this is the way. If you think you can't hit the 10K standard, this is your way to possibly make the Olympics. I still think she faces a huge uphill climb, but people are pointing out, like, Elise Cranny, not many women in the U.S. are going to have the standard. And last year, you pretty much needed the standard to go. You needed to have one of these automatic spots. So if they're only choosing from that pool, and, like, let's say Cranny opts out. Let's say Monson just decides to do the 5K, or, you know, Swizer's hurt and can't take a spot. Like, who else is going to hit these times? You know, Ellie Hennis maybe could get in. There's some other people... But if you're a U.S. woman right now and you want to make the Olympics and that's your sole goal, trying to get it in the 10K, I think, is easier. Well, by going the cross-country route, you mean? Right. I mean, versus trying to hit the 5K. The 5K, it's more competitive. You're going to have six, seven, eight, eight women who have a good shot. Um, in the U.S., the trials, like, you got to beat them all. You, you, you got to get there. It's, it's just going to be harder. The 10, I think you're going to be probably picking the team from the people who have the standard or this cross-country thing. And there aren't going to be very many of them, so. Yeah. Guess how many Americans have ever run under the Olympic standard of 30-40 while Wow, we've done this before. It's, like, less than, I think. Is it like, six? It's five. Now... 
Granted, three of them are women who will be going out for the team, which is Monson, Cranny, and Schweizer. But only Monson's done it within the qualifying window. So, and we know that Schweizer's had injury issues recently. Yeah, what Katie is always doing smart again if you have the financial means to actually get over to Spain and do these races. So, well, could the U.S. possibly only send like less than three people in the 10K? I mean, are you going to have to have the standard, do you think, the automatic qualifying to go in the 10? I mean, that was pretty much the case for the men this year, right? Yeah. It, I mean, it depends how aggressive other athletes are from hunting down the standard. But it also, I believe the cross-country people who are qualified, not everyone took those spots last year. But there, there are eight cross-country spots, and then... They're all the people with the standard who are right now, there are 11 athletes who have the standard uh, without repeated countries. So that's 19 spots. Are another eight people going to get the standard by the Olympics? Maybe. I mean, it's possible. So if you want to do everything in your power to get on this team, running cross-country is not a bad idea. I mean, Natasha Rogers is somebody who, way back, is that 2012? As a collegiate at Texas A&M, she was top three, but didn't have the standards, so she didn't go to the Olympics. That's right. She made the world last year at 5K and 10K. And, but didn't have, didn't have the standard. She's making her marathon trials debut this time. So it's giving that a shot, which I like, but <laughs> might, might have made it more sense to just go this cross-country route or in the marathon buildup and just run a couple of these cross-country races. I think she'd beat, I think preparing for a marathon, I don't, you know, I would study this. I think she'd probably beat Katie Izzo in a, in a cross-country race right now. Yeah, I would, I would. If she solely focused on 10K, I'd like her chances a lot more than you know, so the actual trials in June. But anyway. All right, everyone. If you've listened this long, you're a huge Let's Run listener. We can give the gift of Let's Run for Christmas. We should pump this at the beginning. Let'srun.com slash subscribe. Actually, for gift subscriptions, it might be easier to go to shop.letsrun.com. If you're not a Supporters Club member by now and you're listening this deep, when there's not a lot of running events going on, you got to do it. Join today, the most exclusive club in running. We'll have another podcast for you on Friday. Until then.